Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Welcome back to Edgewood Church. If you want to catch up first, you can always go to our website at www.edgewooddanville.org. Um, www.edgewood-danville.org slash church hyphen online. If you just go to edgewood-danville.org or if you just Google Edgewood Church Danville, I promise you it will come up. When you find it, you will find Edgewood Church online right up at the top. The link is right there. So if you don't want to try to remember all that to type in, just Google Edgewood Church and find this page and look for church online right at the top and you'll be able to watch any of the previous messages which means if you need to you feel free to pause this video go check out any of those previous messages especially the other two messages on first thessalonians because this is sermon number three in first thessalonians so feel free to go back and watch any of those in fact i'll wait for you if you'd like Hey, you're back. All right. Let's see here. I think that I have, before we dig into everything else, we have, uh, in fact, before we get into our review, I have a little bit of an opener thought for you. So let's take a look at this opener thought. Uh, I want to tell you something today that will inspire confidence, give assurance, grant peace, blanket you with comfort, stir you to readiness and a willingness to serve. Now, that's what my hope is. That's my little opener thought for you. That's what I want to do with this passage. That's what I want to do with um, what we see in 1 Thessalonians for what we have today. Now, some, this isn't going to do it for everybody. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not going to do it for everybody. And there's a reason for that that's captured in this message. This won't do it for everyone. Um, and it shouldn't do it for everyone, frankly. Uh, so, um, in fact, I'm going to tell you right now, some are not even going to like that what I'm going to talk about talk about today is even in the Bible. They're not even going to like it. I'm going to read it to you. You're going to see it and you're going to go, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Um, but I want you to know before we dig into it that every time that this topic that I'm going to bring up in a little bit, every time that this topic is in the Bible, it's there for good purposes it's there for assurance, confidence, all those things I just said a moment ago. It's not there to frighten or confuse you. Um, some will hear it and ignore it um, or try to reason it away or um, just as bad. They will mishandle this truth and use it to bash people in the head. Well, I want to encourage you that this truth is an object of praise to Paul the Apostle and it is an object of praise for me personally. Um, all right, so now that I've built that up, let's jump into some review of 1 Thessalonians. A couple of weeks ago, we started 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and in verse 1, we read this, Paul, Silvanus, which is Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he greets the way Paul often does, grace to you and peace. Then we had from just two weeks ago, the next two verses, 
that say we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and a labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is now launching at this point into a thanksgiving for the people of Thessalonica, okay, for specifically for them, remembering them, thinking about them, mentioning them in his prayers. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that this is one of the longest thanksgivings that Paul gives. It's going to last for several verses. Um, this one starts with what you might call the triad of true Christianity. Do you see it right there? Faith, hope, and love. So let's take a look at those three once again. Faith, um, love, and hope. Paul often mentions these three things. Faith that is displayed in work. Okay, so we have this faith that is displayed in work. We have love that is uh, displayed in this labor, this intense sweating labor. And then hope that is displayed in steadfastness or perseverance. I'll save you from rehashing all of that because I'm tempted to do that. You know me. Every single time I'm tempted to do that. And I, uh, I especially I can save you from this this time because I know that once again, if you haven't done it already, you can pause this video right now and you can go back and rewatch that one if you needed to. But I think that most of you have that, and so let's we're gonna we're gonna keep moving on. But I did want to read this to you again because it's important to understand this context this context of Paul's thanksgiving to God for these people. Okay, so this is reestablishing where we're at in this letter. Okay, so we're gonna jump into verses four and five, but it's important to remember this context. So verse four says, "For we know." brothers loved by god that he has chosen you okay let's take a look at just four for a moment before i get to verse five he's praising god because of their faith love and hope remember that from the last verse for we know at the beginning of this verse this for we know or knowing it's one word in the original greek language for we know um, or knowing this is connecting this idea with that previous one okay they were remembering before God. Remember the last verse. They were remembering before God or bringing to remembrance the faith and the love and the hope. And, and that bringing to remembrance is bound up, okay, in their knowledge of what he says next. So the, those things that he was remembering before is bound up in this knowledge. So he says those things, this is, this is knowing this. So in the knowledge of what he's getting ready to say next is why it's such a praise to him. So verse 4 again, for we know, brothers loved by God, um, that he has chosen you. Now, there it is. Do you see it right there? Chosen. Let's pause on this thought for a moment. This is that I told you about a minute ago. Uh, remember this is uh, that this is for you. How did I put it? Um, for your inspiration to confidence, to give you assurance to grant you peace, to blanket you with comfort, and to stir you to readiness and a willingness to serve. Do you remember when I said that a minute ago? It's because of this thought right here, that you are chosen, that he has chosen you. Notice that he does preface this word chosen with two extremely important phrases, and I kind of skipped over them momentarily. Let's take a look at one of them here, brothers. Now, this is the Greek word, um, Adelphos, Adelphi, depending on how it's um, put in this particular verse. But this is often translated brothers and sisters. It's people of the same uh, connection, the same descent. And so here we go. We know brothers, brothers and sisters. 
loved by God. Now, this this is a true, this gives us a beautiful picture of the way um, or an insight in the way Paul and early Christians viewed themselves. They were a brotherhood or a sisterhood. They were a family. And I know that many of my Azure people, we actually say this all the time, right? We're a family. We know we're a family. In fact, I think last uh, Wednesday, that's the song that we sang a few days ago. Charity and I sang that song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family. Oh, I'm not going to do it again. All right, so so here we, we're a family. We're a part of the family of God. So this brotherhood or sisterhood already, and this is, like I said, one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote is the Thessalonian letter. And so we have this already. We see this. They're a brotherhood. Now, notice second here, brothers that are what? Loved by God. This reminds me actually of uh, uh, John. John would always in his um, letter, and we talked about this last week on Easter, that John in his gospel, I'm sorry, not his letter, but his gospel that he wrote, would always just refer to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. So here we have this. This these things are prefacing this chosen concept. Okay, so here we have these two terms that bring about a closeness, a familiarity, something special, important. For we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you. So it's important that we keep those ideas in mind. But don't ignore it. There it is. You can't escape it. Chosen, right? Chosen. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to give you a few, few examples because we can't ignore this word. We can't just de, just just decide that we're not going to pay attention to it. We can't decide that we are going to um, deny that it's there. We see it. This is multiple times in the New Testament. We are called those who are chosen. Sometimes it uses the word elect of God, which means the same thing, the elect of God or the chosen of God. Um, so let's take a look at it. I'm going to give you just a few examples. I'm not going to go overboard here, but I am going to give you a few examples from scriptures where it talks about this particular idea. This first one here is in Acts chapter 13, and it's in a situation where the Gentile, or I'm sorry, that there are reports of how the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are responding to the preaching of the gospel in a city called Antioch of Pisidia. Okay, so this verse is talking about how, how they responded to the gospel. Listen carefully to what it says. It says, and when the Gentiles heard this, talking about how people were responding to the gospel, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Don't miss that as well. The, the, these, these ideas are always captured and bound up in this rejoicing or glorifying God. Um, but here it is. Listen. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Now, Pastor John Piper says of this verse, he says, notice it does not say that as many as believed were chosen to be ordained to eternal life. That is, those whom God had elected believed. God's election preceded faith and made it possible. This is the decisive reason some believed while others did not. That's precisely what it says. You cannot escape. This is in the scriptures. As many as were appointed to eternal life, what did they do? Right. So what's proceeding here? That as many as were appointed to eternal life, they're the ones who did what? Believed. Don't miss that. I believe that to understand this, you must understand your current state. I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and take a look at this. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, by the way, is one of my favorite passages because 
It describes salvation not from our perspective, but from an eternal heavenly perspective as far as what is going on in a person's soul when they are saved, what we call saved. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. You were dead, spiritually dead. Um, this reminds me of Genesis chapter 1, um, where when, when God warns his people, or is it Genesis chapter 3, where God um, warns Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of the tree. He says, if you eat of the fruit of the tree, dying you will die. You will be dead. Literally in the Hebrew, it actually just says you will be dead, dead. It just says dead twice. That's a way that they um, added to, like you'll be extremely dead. And I think that people, the, that Adam and Eve, when they ate of the fruit of that tree, that they not only did they die, they began to die physically. They did not die immediately, right? They began to die physically. Um, and so we have death in this world because of that. They uh, died spiritually, though, immediately. As soon as they took of that, they, they spiritually were cut off from God in their disobedience and uh, facing the potential of eternal death. But this is our state here. And, you know, we can talk about this theologically all you want, but I'm telling you right now, most of you know this reality. Listen to what he says next. And I don't have a slide for this, but I do want to describe the next couple of verses because it describes this deadness. It says in verses 2 and 3, um, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirits that now work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying on the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were by our very natures spiritually dead, doing just what we wanted to do in our flesh. Okay? And then we have this right here. One of my favorite times I see this word in the Bible. I love it when this word shows up, especially when it's in connection with this word. But God, okay, so we're just state that we're in was horrible, according to Ephesians chapter 2. But God, who is what? Rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Not because of us. Not because of us. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, what did he do? God, but God did what? Made us alive together with Christ. And this is why we say this statement, by grace you have been saved. Our salvation was more than just saving us from eternal damnation. Our salvation is truly saving us from what we would always choose apart from him. Apart from God's grace, what are we going to do? Now, there's a similar statement John talks about um, in John chapter 10. And so I'm going to turn there next and take a look at John chapter 10, verse 26, where Jesus is speaking to some unbelieving Jews. And he says, but you do not believe. Okay, so these unbelieving Jews he's talking to and he tells them, but you do not believe because why? Why don't they believe? So he's talking to them and he I'm going to be honest, as a pastor, sometimes I wonder about this when you're preaching. And some hear the words of Jesus and some don't. And it says, but you do not believe. Why? Because you are not among my sheep. So there's something about being his sheep that results in believing, not the other way around. Okay? The believing is not what makes you the sheep in this verse. Linguistically, the, 
the the being a sheep is what brings about the belief okay um but jesus says because but you do not believe because you're not among my sheep there's a similar statement jesus makes in john chapter 8 verse 47 in that verse, he says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear, I mean, think about what's being said here. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Very similar statement that he's making here. You can even find some passages of scripture that speak of this, what you might call conversely. In Romans chapter 11, we hear Paul write these words. He says, what then? Israel failed to attain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Now, this is interesting because here some might say this is just talking about Israel, but it's talking about individuals in the nation of Israel. And notice that in the nation of Israel, um, some did what? Failed, right? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. But then notice this, the elect or chosen did what? Obtained it. But the rest, and so here you see this converse of that, were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. Now Paul is talking about his brothers and sisters that are Jews, that he longs for their salvation. That's what this whole section, Romans chapter 9 through uh, chapter 11, are about Paul like wanting his extended family the jewish nation to come to christ and believe and he's talking about israel and why many have not but many have and one of the reasons why the elect have one of the reasons why not right here you can see something similar by the way this is a quote from isaiah chapter 29 see something similar in romans chapter 9 a couple chapters earlier this is Paul writing and he says, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends. Okay, so the receiving of God's mercy, the receiving of God's compassion depends not on human will or exertion effort. We're okay with this one most of the time, but notice also this one. It doesn't depend ultimately on human will. What does it depend on? On God who has mercy. This is lovingly played out in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 6, just to give you another one. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, when, before the foundation of the world, why, that we should be holy and blameless, that's a description of Christians, before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption. And this is why it turns into such a loving, wonderful thing. If you look at this in through one lens and try to figure out exactly, wait a minute, God did what and he chose what? 
think about it in these terms just to begin understanding this reality one who is adopted now we have at our church um, a little one that has been adopted by pastor john and katie little baby kit did not do anything it was not her will or her exertion that caused her adoption she was adopted in to the gibson family she is now a gibson kit gibson the choosing element is not a a point of discouragement the choosing element is a point of rejoicing um, hopefully one day for kit but also right now for for john and for katie adoption is a glorious picture and that's exactly what it is god predestined us for this adoption to himself as as sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved in him verse 11 in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will now okay take a deep breath are you still with me that was a lot that was a lot of information would you believe that i trimmed that down i know i know i'm sorry some of you probably well here some of you felt may have felt like this like you were trying to take a sip from a fire hydrant here have a drink of water okay yeah Ooh, i turned the wrong way okay uh so i know that some of you may have felt that way i apologize i know there was a lot there but let me get back um into um where we were at in first thessalonians okay because our gospel back in first thessalonians verse 5 uh, chapter 1 verse 5 because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Now, before I go any further, let me pause here for just a moment. I want to point out this word gospel. Now, you may not realize this, but there were plenty of, before uh, Christians' time and the preaching of the gospel, there were other gospels, so to speak, that were being preached or proclaimed. The gospel, the word just meant good news proclaimed. And so, for example, there were Gospels of Caesar. So Caesars would have Gospels. So there was a Gospel, for example, of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus proclaimed to the world, here's the good news. I'm here to save you. Um, you follow me. I'm going to lead you to this and this and peace and tranquility. And, and, and so there was a Gospel of Caesar where Caesar was like, I'm the Savior. Sounds weird, doesn't it? Um, can you see why Christians, when they came in, they started confiscating this word because there was a real gospel for a real Savior, and that real Savior was Jesus Christ? Jesus, who was the real Savior, came to this earth, died on the cross for our sins in accordance with all the scriptures, was dead, buried, rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And now he's here to 
freely be a propitiation, a, a guarantee for your sins, right? He satisfies before God's justice the sins that you have committed so that you can be right again with God, not by your own merit or deed, but by Christ and his work. That is truly good news. This gospel that Paul preached, that good news that I'm just sharing with you, that he also shared with them, he says it came to you not only in words, so he preached it, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Now, as I'm looking at my notes here, I, I wanted to mention this. The gospel came to the Thessalonians, and I thought as I was writing this, and also to the Edgewoodians, okay, in power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. Paul's confidence that they were chosen by God is the way the gospel message was delivered and received. Some of you listening, but not all, you've come to church, you've heard the message, and it's demonstrated itself in power. You have miraculously walked away from sin. You have seen God provide for you in ways that you never thought possible. You've seen that power and glimpses of it. It's come to you in the Holy Spirit to where you're now saying and doing things and, and going, well, that's not me. Anybody, I know some of you that are watching this, that, that's exactly what you think. You look around at the things you're doing and you go like, who is this person? Who is this person? That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. Because the gospel came to you not just in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit. And it also came with full conviction. And I know that there are many of you Edgewoodians, just like the Thessalonians, that are fully convinced fully convinced there's a full conviction of the truth of Jesus Christ and you are all in and so I with joy I can think the same things that Paul thinks when he thinks of the Thessalonians I think many of the same things about the people at Edgewood I rejoice I glorify God because of these things because you're now saying and doing these things that are clearly not you. They are the work of God. The gospel came to you not just in word, but in power in the Holy Spirit. And it came to you in full conviction and you're fully convinced. Not all of you, sadly, but many of you, yes. And now you can say, <laughs> you can rejoice along with Paul along with us and along with what Jesus said to his disciples 2,000 years ago he says of you my sheep hear my voice and I know them they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand I want to go back to the beginning of my notes. I'm getting off my notes by going back to the beginning of my notes. Um, I want to share with you something I said at the beginning. If I can find it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's right here. Ah, found it. I said at the beginning, I wanted to tell you something today that will inspire confidence, give assurance, grant uh, peace, blanket you with comfort, stir you to readiness and a willingness to serve. You know I'm not a fan of preaching to you via 
pre-recorded sermons. I feel like I lose something in the process. But I will tell you that that statement I just made, I hope for you. Because you can, Paul was confident. He said, because I know Thessalonians, beloved, right? Brothers and sisters, loved by God, that you were chosen. And I can look out and I can tell you right now, there are some of you, many of you, most of you that come to Edgewood Church that I look at each and every week when we're there together and I look at and I go, I thank God because they are chosen by God. And you might be struggling with your own confidence, your own assurity of, of what's going on in your life. I'm sure that being away from church doesn't help that and we're in this tough situation where we're away it's okay. I have confidence that you are chosen by God. If you're sitting there right now and you're listening to this and you're going, I just want, I want, I want it. You are. You are. Rejoice in that truth. Let it inspire confidence in you. I pray that that truth that God is doing this will encourage your spiritual growth today. Love you guys. Care about you. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day and I thank you for all that you've done um, for the people of Edgewood. I pray for those, Lord, beloved, chosen by God, that you'll stir up within, in them your spirit, work in them to continue on and in, in their labor of love and their work of faith and their uh, steadfastness of hope. All these things in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would work it. In his name I ask these things. Amen. All right. Thank you for watching. And hopefully it won't be too many more weeks that we have to continue doing this.